before the kids go out today, we just want, we thought we want to get the Alice team that came um, to share a highlight of their journey before the kids go out today. So just hold on there a minute, um, those that are in Kingdom Kids, and I just invite the Alice team forward to share one of their highlights or one of their testimonies from the time. Uh, Rosie's not here. Uh, Rosie goes to another fellowship in the city, uh, but she was such a blessing, and we saw her really come alive in so many ways, uh, which was awesome. So we're just going to get the other four plus me to share a highlight. Funny if we all had the same highlight, won't it? Well, there's so many, really. The fact that uh, it's pretty full on as soon as you get there and from the time you hit the ground to when you go to bed at night, it's pretty exhausting. Anyway, but uh, highlights. Um, one thing for us, we uh, stayed behind an extra couple of days and uh, we were asked if we would take a, a Bible study and the... Uh, the, the catch with that is you have to feed everyone that comes. And, and that's fine because they said, look, expect 30. You know, normally we have 30. We've never ever had, you know, on one occasion or something, they'd had up to 40, but they said, look, only expect 30. Anyway, so we expected 30 and had 50, and, uh, which was great because you're feeding everybody and having a Bible study. But the, the thing that is overwhelming is the sense that as you minister to everyone because you pray for everyone at the end as well or those that need ministry, uh, God's overwhelming love as, uh, as you minister to them is just so palpable and just so amazing. And uh, yeah, so that to me is uh, God's love as you get an opportunity to minister to each and every one is just, yeah, overwhelming. Um, I think I have a couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, I, I just feel like it was a real privilege to be there with with everybody and with the indigenous people and um, just having the chance to pray for so many of them and um, it was overwhelming in a way because I felt like, Lord, I, I have nothing help. It was kind of like most of it, but um, it was a real privilege to pray for the people and just to see God move on them as you were praying. That was a real, um, yeah really spoke to me. It was really, really, really good. Um, another thing was when we, when we went up to Anzac Hill to, to pray and worship and break through in a few things, there was um, a lady that came up the hill while we were doing that, um, part Aboriginal, I think, lady came up. Her name was Ebony, and she, as soon as she saw what we were doing, she had this big smile on her face. And then later when we were leaving, she was sitting over on the other side of the hill. And as we passed by her, we found out that she was a Christian and she said, I've got the side covered, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. So, yeah. Um, when I think of highlight, I can't think of anything but the whole entire trip. The whole trip was a smashing highlight. Like, it was just incredible. It was uh, spectacular. It was glorious. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, just to be, like, I'm a bit of a clean freak, but I loved sitting in the dirt, and just shoulder to shoulder with our beautiful Indigenous brothers and sisters and just hanging out with them, laughing, crying with them, eating with them, even dancing. We danced with them at, at a night camp, and that was really beautiful. But worshipping with them, praying for them, and... It was just, it was just something really, really special. Um, they are our brothers and sisters, <laughs> and we are one in Christ. And it was just, yeah, it, it was an amazing thing to be right in the heart of our nation, sitting on that, the dirt, and just loving on these people. And they loved on us in return. They loved us. They prayed for us too. They ministered to us, and their worship is beautiful. It was so beautiful. And w what super inspired me and ministered to me was, was the pouring out of the missions team, the, the ones who are there day and night. And as we sung that song this morning, we bring him incense day and night. They do. They do. Their worship in serving th 
people around them, the poor people, the needy, the sick, the broken, and they serve those people day and night and they pour out, they just keep pouring out and to see that beautiful worship rising up as incense to God, it is just, it's glorious, it is so precious. And so I was really touched and um, I think I came back with more than what I gave. Uh, Sleep deprived was about the only negative I could think of. Um, Apart from that, (laughs) I was on a real high the whole time. So it was just amazing. Go there. Amen. Go there. Do it. (laughs) Thank you. And um, yeah, like like the others, I think um, when when you get there, you hit the ground running. And um, you don't, I did not expect to experience what we had experienced there. It's okay, can I share two highlights? <laughs> um, uh, the first being um, there was quite a bit of ministry time that we spent there, obviously. Um, and I remember one particular time of, of ministry, uh, Pastor Tim was doing a Bible study, and um, we were trying to explain how the king reigns. And for us, it's quite easy to understand. We understand monarchy, monarchy and and we they didn't understand the king reigns they they understood rain oh they understood rain as the rain that falls so we had to sit we had to break it down and put it a bit more simpler for everyone and um i think the term was jesus is boss (laughs) and um boy how the holy spirit moved when they got it 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 moved and um it wasn't just them that was getting filled it was us because we all grasped this idea that Sometimes we try to overwhelm, um, I guess we try to overwhelm the, the spirit. We try to overwhelm what's going on in our lives and um, breaking it down to the simple things is sometimes all it needs. Going furthermore to that, um, we went up on the hill as Rose, Rosaline had mentioned and um, we simply worshipped, Simp- stood up on a hill and worshipped. Um, and I'll share that story if that's okay, Pastor Tim. Um, of the crows and um, yeah so we arrived and there was four crows um, on the site there and um, or an eagle came um, and ushered away the crows <laughs> and um, not only that it, uh, there was a bit of a fight in the air and we are watching what was going on there and the eagle had left and uh, then there was four, four flagpoles and each crow went and sat on each flagpole. We continued worshipping, and um, I looked up, and they tend to had been mocking us, um, oh, squawking and um, making a lot of noise. And, and each crow was on each flagpole. We worshipped harder, and uh, they then flew off and started arguing between each other and fighting, and uh, disappeared. Didn't come back. Amen. Um, it was quite an amazing experience. But again, back to that, I've, I've come back looking at how I may have um, tried to overwhelm and confuse myself in how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And all it is is just a very simple time of worship. And um, yeah, there was so much, so much more, but that's, yeah, um, what I have got from there. Amen. Really, it's a uh, just what I got it. Just a, a revelation that you do get is that you know all the things that are going on out there. The answer is never going to be found in Parliament House, Government House. It's actually only found in God's house. Amen. And um, you know we've got to believe that and press into that and be part of what God wants to do. Amen. I think just to add to what Frank was saying for those that are sitting there going, well, what was symbolic about that? So crows are symbolic of witchcraft, amongst other things. So we came to the mountain and the, and the crows were there. And we, you know, really felt that it was symbolic of what happens in our nation. And then, as Frank said, you know, this eagle came and disturbed them for a while. But then they took the high places. He's in on the top, top of the flagpoles. And it's really easy to get distracted by things sometimes, isn't it? Do you put your focus there or do you keep your focus on Jesus and the Lord really spoke to me about 2 Chronicles 20, 
when, you know, the Lord said to uh, Jehoshaphat, you do not need to fight this battle, just be still. And then, and it says they began to worship him. And as, and as we began to worship the Lord, the, I, I believe the Lord sent a spirit of confusion, just as he did amongst the army against Jehoshaphat, into the crows to make them turn on each other, to fight each other, and then they dispersed. And I think the critical thing for us is to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we can learn anything from that, we learn that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Because there are waves, there, there is wind, there is circumstances around us, and by focusing on them, we empower that. But, but by focusing on Jesus, we magnify Him, and He sorts out the problem. I'm not saying we don't pray into things sometimes. I, I, I'm not saying that. But so often we can get distracted, amen, by stuff around us when we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus because He is the author and the finisher of it all. Amen? Amen. The, the team did so well. They served so well. They represented Jesus so well. They represented you so well. We're going again in August. So um, I can't leave it till July. I have to organize this one earlier. So if you feel a stirring of the Holy Spirit or if you're praying and say, Lord, should I go in August? Um, then you need to come and see me ASAP. Um, amongst the things that we'll be doing then, there, there is a little bit of handyman work. So if anyone who's a handyman wants to come, you are more than welcome to. Uh, we'll, we'll be running some Indigenous um, training of the pastors and the people in ministry because what's happening out there is that more and more, um, you know, Aborigines are coming and giving their lives to Jesus. And so there's a bit of a groundswell that's happening. And so the need to train up the Indigenous pastors and leaders to then to be able to minister is really, really important. So there'll be all kinds of stuff next time in August where the daytime is only about 22 and the, and the evening can get down to below zero. So if you're interested, come and see me. That'll be great. Bless the kids as they go out. Bless them. Amen. We're going to get into the Word of God today. It was interesting. Um, Melissa was talking about baptisms because the Word of God says believe and be baptized. Amen doesn't say believe, reach a certain standard and be baptized. It's believe and be baptized. And on the Sunday morning, there was two baptisms that were scheduled. And by the end, we had eight. Because there was people that said, I believe in Jesus. And they said, well, let's, let's just baptize you. And so we, they don't baptize in the ocean or in a pool. They baptize in a cattle trough. It works. It's just a big plastic round thing and it's, they fill it up with water from the fire hose and they kind of sit down in it because it's only about yay deep. They sit down and then you just, back they go. It was awesome, awesome. So many highlights. So thank you to May who organised prayer for us. Give May a hand, bless her. And everyone, oh yeah. That's right. And everyone else who stood in the gap and prayed for us, we really appreciate it. One of the people that got baptised, well, you kind of say got re-baptised, um, was Gary, our Irish friend Gary. So 30 years ago, he was baptised, but he, he was baptised afresh because the Spirit of God is moving in his heart, um, you know, more powerfully than ever. And I just want to say to you, the Lord gave him a... I hope I'm not stealing his thunder. Anyway, the Lord gave him a word years and years ago that he would reconcile to his wife. They've been separated for 20-something years or more. They are now engaged. <laughs> How cool is that? Come on. That is reconciliation right there. The other thing that happened too, I don't know whether you know, but uh, Noreen gave me a, I only found out on the way back that there's this big cross, a 20 metre high metal cross that's being erected in the heart of our nation at some 200 k's west, southwest of Alice Springs on what they call Memory Mountain. And it's just being finished. It is now completely finished. A hundred years ago, a hundred years to the, to the month there was a young indigenous pastor that went out into that area and said that forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ and we need to forgive one another. 
So 100 years on, they've now erected a cross in the centre of, of our nation, in the geographical centre, which is a proclamation of the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. Is there an amen? Ah, Jesus is worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Oh, God, we want to thank you. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, Jesus. We yield to you. We recognize that apart from you, we are nothing. We can do nothing. It's you, Lord. It's all you. Lord, we ask by your spirit that you would continue to move in our hearts and lives to turn us to you, that you would be everything. That you would be everything. Everything. Amen. 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 You know, um, last week was a special time in Alice. There was a lot of highlights. Spiritually, it was probably the most... Um, don't really know what the word is. Fruit-bearing fruit anyway. It was the most fruit-bearing spiritual time that we've had there. The thing that the Lord was speaking to me about on the way there or before I was going there was the, the message of Malachi or the message of the Lord through Malachi. And it says that I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. That is so evident. It's so evident. It's not just a bunch of words on a page, but it's such a deep thing. It was the message that the Lord had me speak last Sunday to the people. It was part of the prayer assignment up on Anzac Hill. This is not just a, this is a twofold thing. This is a natural thing, but it's a spiritual thing. It's a natural thing to see the hearts of, hearts of, you know, fathers or parents turn to their children and children return to their parents. But it's a spiritual thing that the Lord is realigning and we're rediscovering that the church is meant to be family. Amen. We've We've been saying ever since we started, you know, six, six and a half years ago, that the church is not a place that you come to, but the church is a family. And we learn how to outwork that because we all come from various aspects of family and sometimes dysfunctional family. And we learn how to work and that. And we do not, you know, give up, but we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to forgive. We need to love. We need to communicate. We need to work through things. But we have to understand that the church is family. And so there's a spiritual dynamic here that God is turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. There's a, there's a coming back together of the living stones to be made a holy temple in which God's presence resides and dwells. Amen. There's a spiritual dynamic here. You know, there's orphans, there's orphans everywhere. When I gave the altar call last Sunday, you know, there was, there was just people coming up everywhere and the team was ministering to different people you know, there were people that were on their team that had just moved from Adelaide, you know, that came forward just under the Holy Spirit, just in tears, you know, and we just laid hands on them and prayed for them and the Holy Spirit just well, touched them in a way that they just were out for a while. But there was this, there was one of the young Indigenous guys came up to me and he said, I'm that person. I never had a father. prayed for him. The Spirit of God was ministering to him in such a deep way. And on the Sunday night, when we're in the camp on the Sunday night, he came up to me and he said, something broke in my life. I have a sense of hope and joy and peace that I've never experienced in my life. It's so real. It's so real, not just because people were raised without fathers, 
because sometimes fathers can be so busy doing their thing that their children are neglected. We have to make sure that we're not absent. As parents, we're not absent in our children's life. But we're very much there. We're very much present. I was thinking this week as I was praying that years ago when I was still a bit younger, I got asked at one point, I was still in my early 30s, I got asked to play with a local football soccer club again because there was a need and they believed I could fill their need. Our boys, Nick and Josh, were playing soccer at that time and every Saturday morning it was a family thing. We used to go out to soccer together. We used to spend the whole time together. I used to coach both of their teams and it was a family thing. It was something that we did together on a Saturday morning. But when this person came in and said, look, we'd really like you to play championship football again, there was something in me that went, oh, yeah, I want to play. I want to I re-engage. I want to, you know, that competitive thing started coming out. And it's like, oh, I want to play that. But, as, but I didn't say yes straight away. And I went home and I prayed. And I asked the Lord what to do. And the Spirit of God started to minister into my heart in that moment. And he basically said to me, you've had your time playing the sport for yourself. Now it's time to spend the time with your boys. Don't become an absent father by, by chasing your own pursuits again. But now you've got these kids that I've entrusted to you. I want you to invest in them. There's a spirit of orphanism it's not even a word, is it? There's an orphan spirit in our nation. Sounds good, doesn't it? Spirit of orphanism in our nation, not just because people have had, you know, fathers that weren't even amongst them, but because dads were so busy working hard to make a living. There's a song about that, I think. Oh, was it Dolly Parton or something? I don't know. Oh, Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> not Dolly Parton. <laughs> I'm sure there was another. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not going there. But you know, but you know what I mean. For all of us, and I'm not just speaking to the dads. I'm speaking to the to the mums that we can be so busy in life that we neglect the time for our kids, and then time just disappears, and we wonder where the kids have gone. Yeah. And spiritually, it can be exactly the same, that you can be get caught up in, you know, doing so much ministry or so much serving God that you, do that, you, know, that you neglect your kids. He's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. You know, I think about Paul. Paul was a spiritual father. Amen. Okay, good. Just checking. Just a couple of verses from Paul. He spoke this to the church in Galatia in chapter 4, verse 19. And he says, My children, I am suffering labor pains. Let's see, guys. Come on, guys. We're kind of like, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, I am suffering. <laughs> the women want to pass that one on to the men, Okay. Dear, dear children, my children, I am in labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. You see, there's a spiritual dad. He, there's something within him. The Spirit of God is, you know, giving him birth pains because he wants to see people formed in Christ. He wants to see Christ formed in them. He doesn't want them to just go through the motions, but he wants to see Christ formed in them. Because he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, when he was writing to the church in Corinth in, in chapter 11, he said, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, because I have promised you in marriage to one husband to present a pure virgin to Christ. You see, he wanted to, there's a song that got written um, Months and months ago, or maybe it's a year or two ago now, it says, you know, we make room, we make space, we're clearing out the clutter, 
We're clearing out the clutter. We make space. We make room. We're clearing out the clutter. See, Paul was saying that to the church in Corinth. He said, I am jealous with you with a, for, with a godly jealousy because I promised you to one husband, to Christ. Do not be concerned by swerving to the left or the right. It went on to say, for I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We live in a world where it's competing for our time. It's competing for our thoughts. It's competing even for our hearts. And when you go back out there in the center of Australia, where you're, on, where you're in the dust and you're in the dirt and you're laying hands on people and they're going down in the dirt and it's just dusty and dirty but, and, you know, and you look around, there's not much, but there's a pure devotion to Christ. And sometimes... The stuff just gets in the way. And we need to come back to Christ. Amen. I think, if I can say it this way, that we can all have orphan tendencies to the degree that we know or don't know the Father's heart for us. I'm not sure it's a bam, once in a moment, I've got it all revelation. Yes, there is a moment where, there is a, where, where something breaks off you and you begin to know the love of the Father, but it just continues. Yeah? It continues. And you go, whoa, there's more. And you thought you knew it, but then a few years later you go, oh, wow. <laughs> it's a journey into the heart of the Father. Amen? It's a journey into understanding His heart. Because often our natural experiences can shape our view of the Father. And we don't even realize it at times. We don't realize it that, we, that we've been shaped by our upbringing, shaped by experiences. But we need to allow God to mold us like the potter at the will with the clay and to shape us. That we would know that we are loved, we are secure, and we are accepted. And nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Not famine, not death, not life, nor persecution, not suffering. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Why? Because we've been born again into Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. He's a good father. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. It's who you are. In the midst of that, I think, was interesting. I spent, every evening I spent time with Katie and Daniel. Often didn't get to bed till one o'clock in the morning. Because we were just fellowshipping together. And when you're out there on your own almost, you need to fellowship. <laughs> we're just fellowshipping and they got this big bookcase in one of their rooms and I was just scanning seeing if anything was kind of getting my attention. And I thought, and there's one book that just stood out. It was on its bind, but it was like it was on its front. And it was about the ecclesia, God's, God's plan for transformation. You know, and I thought, wow, that's a word that we've been talking about, the ecclesia. You know, the, we are the ecclesia. It's the, it's the gathering of the called out ones. We've been called out of the world and we've been born again into Christ. And the ecclesia is the family of God, the gathering of God's people. And those people out there have a hunger to gather. They gather, they gather, they gather. They gather and they break bread and they have food. They gather and they pray and they worship and they gather and they gather and they gather. And you can see the changes that's happening in them because they continue to gather together as the ecclesia with Jesus in the middle. They break bread. They, they, they drink of the, the vine. They, they worship. They pray. They lay hands on each other. They're praying for each other. And something, there's a transaction that is taking place. And the, and the simplicity of that in the heart of our nation somehow needs to find its way into the cities. Because we're the other way. Our lives are so full that we struggle to connect. But their lives are so spacey. 
That's not a word either, is it? Anyway, we're, we are redefining the English language today. So spacey that they have time to connect. And it just reminded me of the early church. Because every day they met together in some way. And it said the Lord added to their number daily those you know, lives that were being saved. The Lord added to. As they gathered together, as they got closer, as they were loving and praying and worshipping and helping and serving, as they were connected, something was happening. The presence of God was manifesting. And, you know, there was 3,000. Then there was 5,000. There was radical numbers that were coming to the Lord because the church, the ecclesia, had a pure devotion to Christ and to one another. It's Papa's family. Papa God, his family. We're his sons and daughters. You're a son and daughter of the king. One person is excited about that. You are a son and daughter of the king, amen? You're a son and daughter of the king. We are part of Papa God's family. We are marked. We are sealed. I was... I had one morning where I felt a bit oppressed and heavy because of a couple of things, and Beth comes up to me, and she goes, can I anoint you? And she anointed me with this oil from Israel and had frankincense and something else in it, and she, she put a cross on my forehead, and it burned. I could feel it burning into my skin. And so for a while, I was marked with a cross. I was walking around with a cross on my forehead. We are, <laughs> we are marked by Christ. We are marked by Christ. We are marked by His Spirit, His presence. Amen? Huh. Do you have a stirring in your spirit for deeper relationship? The same person. Man, Rosalind's on fire. Do you, do you have a, a deeper relationship with God? Is there something stirring in you that says, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me. Let your presence overtake my heart. We can't just sit back and just wait for it to come. The invitation is calm for everything is ready. Calm for everything is ready. And we respond and say, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. And that is the cry of our heart every day. God, I want to know you more. And there's a revelation. There's a breakthrough. There's an understanding. And we are not the same person today that we were yesterday. You see, when the early church gathered together and they connected together and they met together regularly, they were being radically changed because they gave everything they had to the Lord. We live in a society where we often, please don't take this the wrong way, but we often give God the afterthought. If I haven't got better, anything better on today, I might come to prayer. If I haven't got anything better on today, I might come to the home group. I'm just being real for a minute. Life just gets cluttered. It just gets so cluttered. And we start to fill up with stuff. And then we get tired. And when we get tired, we sit at home with the armchair and we sit in front of that box thing, you know, and we just go through there. But they didn't have any of that. And I think it's like we make room, we make space, we're clearing out the clutter. Amen? You know, I think about the love of God. I'm trying not to take too long. Oh, praise God. Bless you, Stephen Eddie. 1 John 3, 1, how great, how great the, the love of the Father has lavished on us that we could be called the children of God and that is what we are. When the enemy tries to come at you and go, no, I am a child of God. Can I, can I just diverge just for one tick? There is an increasing thing happening in the church in our nation. And it saddens me. And I know it saddens the heart of the Father. I don't know if it's the separation of the sheep and the goat. I, I, I don't know. But there are so many believers, churches and even pastors, leaders that say that this is not the Word of God anymore. I'm hearing about it more and more and more. This contains the Word of God, but it's not the Word of God. 
Well, what do we do? What do we do if we do not say that this is the Word of God? We pick and choose. I like that bit, but I don't like that bit. I'm not talking about a different interpretation of a verse that we have a slightly different view. I'm talking about people saying blatantly that this is not the Word of God. Well, what foundation do we have? What do we stand on? When the enemy comes at us and goes, what do we stand on if we do not have the Word of God? Amen? Well, we stand on the Word of God. We're a people of the Word of God. All of it. All Scripture. All Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correcting, teaching, training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's part of who we are. We will not go down the slippery slope of picking and choosing. Anyway, um, we are the children of God. That's where I was. God has lavished on us. We, we, we are the children of God. Paul, Paul prayed this prayer. He prayed this prayer for the church in Ephesus. And he said, I pray that he may grant you, chapter 3, verse 16, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. And I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God, we pray today that we would know the height, the width, the length and the, de- and the breadth of your love, O oh God, that we would be filled with all the fullness. John writes it this way. He says, there is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out all fear. The one who is still fearful is not made perfect yet in love. God, that we would know your perfect love in every part of our being, spirit, soul, body, every part, that there'll be no place for fear, no place for worry, no place for anxiety, no place for stress, no place for oppression, because your perfect love casts it all out. Oh, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. I believe we need to know more and more what the Lord has done for us and how much he loves us. I was talking last Sunday about the, par- the parable of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know the entirety of what he's done for you? I'm not going to get into the whole parable. You can read it in Luke 15 from verse 11. But the, the father had two sons, yep. And the younger one said, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. And I don't think we often dwell on the fact of what that really meant. Because you get your inheritance, in a sense, when someone dies, yeah? The son was saying to the dad, you're as good as dead to me. I just want what you've got. Can you imagine? I pray for anyone that has gone through that. I just want what you've got. Give it to me now. I don't want to wait until you die. Can you imagine that? 
the son gathered the younger son gathered all his possessions and he went off to a distant country you uh, hopefully you you all know this story if not go home and read it and meditate on it you know he just squandered his whole inheritance in foolish living squandered it gone you know they often say that people that win 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 lotto go back to being poor again because they get a million dollars or whatever they get and they just squander it and then they realize they've got nothing. This is what the younger man did. Got his inheritance, squandered it, was ended up with nothing. And then came a, a severe famine. You know, God, God will use anything because he loves us so much. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants us to be with Him. God will use anything. There, there is stuff that happens in our life that is not good, but God will use it for good. And sometimes, we, and, and in that moment, we go, God, why? And God says, you know, you just see what I'm going to do in your heart and in your life through this circumstance. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why is this happening to me? You just watch what I'm going to do through this circumstance. So there was a famine on the back of the fact that he's lost everything. He didn't have any reserves. He didn't have any supplies. He didn't have anything left over. And there was a severe famine. And he looked around and he was like, uh-oh, well, I'm just going to go in there. He was feeding off the scraps of the pigs. Man, that is as low, as low as you can get in that culture because pigs like prawns were a no-go. True. Pigs and prawns were no-goes because they were the garbage collectors and you didn't eat of that stuff because they were considered unclean. Pigs and prawns and other ones. So here he was eating the scraps of the unclean. That which considered, that is the low of low. Can you imagine being a son in the father's house where you had everything? And all of a sudden you are the lowest of the low in that society. Friends, this is such an amazing story of God's love for us. It is unbelievable. He came to his senses. And he says, how many of my father's hired workers have more food than what I have here? I'm dying of hunger. Even my father's servants have food. I'm just going to go back and I'm going to humble myself and say, Dad, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You see what God was doing in his heart? You see what is happening in that moment when he was in the lowest of lows? He was humbling himself. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. There was repentance. He, he changed. There was a turning back to the Father. And he was humbling himself. He, he was going to say, make me like one of your hired workers. And so he got up and he went to his Father. He's turned and he started. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. Sometimes we can be a long way off, but as long as we've made that turn, the father comes running to us. You've just got to make that decision to turn. One step, the father runs. In that culture, he was breaking culture. He was breaking tradition. Fathers didn't do that. When the son had disgraced and dishonored the father like that, the fathers didn't do that. But our father is a good father. And he ran at the sight of the face of his son. And he was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And the Greek, it's actually he kept on kissing him. The son, 
began to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't even get out the last sentence. Make me like one of your servants. He didn't even get there. The father didn't let him get to that place. He was like, no. The father said to his servants, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Oh, oh there's a little Adrian move there, wasn't it? Oh, just that little. He put a robe, the best robe. Do we understand that? We have been given a robe of righteousness. He's given us the best robe. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. He has given us the best robe. The once and for all sacrifice for sin. There's nothing more to be done. He's given us the best robe. You are clothed with the robe of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Woo. The, removing all the shame. That was all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. When their eyes were opened, they saw that they were naked and they were shaped. <gasps> that has been broken in Christ. And we've been given a robe of righteousness, removing the shame, removing the guilt, removing the things of the past, removing them. Let's just read some scriptures. Sorry, getting carried away. We going good? Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood for the for the forgivenesses of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. <laughs> it says in verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5, He made the one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You have been given a robe of righteousness. Amen. What about the ring? The ring signified a few things, but it was like a family seal. It was like a covenant. It was about identity. It's, I just, it just reminded me of, of Isaiah 43 when I was praying into it. Fear not, for I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. You got the ring. Child, I've called you by name. You are mine. You are sealed. You're in covenant. It says in Galatians 4, well, Jesus said when he was instituting the breaking of bread, that, like the new covenant, the new covenant of his blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. In Galatians 4, it says that we were once slaves. We were once orphans. We were once distant. But we've been brought near and we're now sons. And the spirit within us cries out, Abba Father. Abba Father. A term of endearment. We have the robe of righteousness. We have the, the ring. We have the family seal. We're identified. And then he put the sandals on his feet. You have purpose and you have meaning. 
We have purpose and we have meaning in Christ. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me, says the Lord. There's plans, there's purposes. Bonnie spoke before about hope. Hope is a confidence, confident assurance of what God said he will do. He's speaking hope over you. He's speaking hope over you because you have purpose. You, you have meaning in life. You're not just existing, but you're here for such a time as this with purpose and meaning. You are gifted. You are graced. You are anointed. He has poured out his spirit into you, and you have a purpose. And if you don't understand the fullness of that purpose, just start by worshiping God. Start by worshipping him. Start by praying. Start by loving the person that's in front of you. Start by that kind of stuff. And you just see what God is going to open up for you. So many people are looking for the big thing. God, what's my purpose in life? And we miss the thing that's right before us. Which is the person that's sitting right there. God says for those that are faithful with the little, I'm going to give you more. Sometimes we, we do, don't we? We want the big stuff, but we miss the stuff that's right in front of us. If you don't understand you have purpose, just get into Scripture. Well-known passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's God's gift not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You are not saved by works, but you are saved for works. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And he has stuff for you to do that I can't do. And that is why we need to see a greater mobilization of the body of Christ, the saints, because you all have a part to play in the body of Christ. And if one part is not functioning, then the whole body is not functioning the way it's meant to be. If you take our natural bodies, if something is not functioning, it causes a problem in the rest of the body. Even your big toe the stuff that you don't think about. If your big toe is not functioning, and I know because I broke it once, my body couldn't function properly as I was meant to be. So if the body of Christ is not functioning, if you're not flowing in the grace, if, if you're not moving in the gifts and the things that God has for you, the body is not becoming all that it's meant to be. And we wonder why we are the way we are in the church in Australia. Because we all have a part to play. And as part of the ecclesia, as part of a family, as part of coming back together, God is releasing the body. He's releasing his people to begin to love and serve and function. Amen. And he's looking for people who will help facilitate that. Amen. Because it is about the ecclesia. It's about the family of God. We have a father and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I want to encourage you to receive the robe of righteousness. I want to encourage you to ponder that, to dwell on that, to think about that, that you would know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I want to encourage you to meditate on the seal, the ring of identity and authority and covenant that he has given to you. I want you to meditate on the fact that the sandals, that you have purpose and you have meaning. Receive. Don't just read the story and go, that's a nice story. But receive it. Receive the Father's heart. Receive the love of the Father for you because he's running to you. We sing a song about running to the Father again and again and again. But you know what? We just turn and he runs to us. So great is his love for us. Music team, you can you, you come up, we'll close up. The Lord has been speaking about clean hands and pure hearts for a while, hasn't he? Do we remember? He's been speaking about letting go of stuff that hinders, which in a sense is 
making space and making room and clearing out the, 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 the clutter. He's been speaking about maturing, to leave childish ways behind and to grow up as sons and daughters, walking in the Spirit, not walking according to the flesh, but walking in the Spirit. Why? Because according to Ephesians 2, He is building us together to become a holy temple for the dwelling place of His presence and His glory. It's not bricks and mortar, it's human hearts. It's, it's us together being brought together to become a dwelling place for His presence and glory. Amen. But for us to do that, we need to know His heart for us that little bit more. Because when we know His heart for us that little bit more, we can stand that little bit closer together. Even if we're different. We can love the way that He loves. We can forgive the way that He forgives. Because we know that we are loved. We are forgiven. Who has ever given to God, Scripture says, Romans 11, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. We love because God, Christ first loved us. From him, through him, and to him. He is so good. So in closing this morning, what God is doing in our hearts and what God is doing in our lives and what God is doing in places is not just to remain in little holy huddles where we keep it to ourselves. But there's an overflow. There's an overflow in your everyday life. There's an overflow. You're a hairdresser. There's an overflow to your clients. You're a school teacher. There's an overflow to the, to the students. You're a business owner. There's an overflow to your clients. You're a mom and a dad. There's an overflow to your kids. Whatever it is, there's an overflow. God is, you know, you know just rising up. There's, a, there's, a, there's an uprising in us that we can't keep it in. It's like Jeremiah said. It's the principle. It's not exactly the words. But Jer Jeremiah said, I cannot hold your words in. I'm weary. Your word is like a fire in my bones. Even if I tried to keep it in, I cannot. That is the love of God. We try and keep it in. I can't keep it in. I've got to give it away. What we saw in Alice was a simple, pure devotion to Christ. And when someone was hurting, it's like, can I pray for you? Oh. Can I help you? Can I serve you? You can't keep it in. So just let it go. Just let it go. Just let the rivers of God just flow. Because, you, because, because there's no lack in Christ. As you let the rivers of God flow, guess what's going to happen? There's an increase. There's more coming in. As you give out, there's more coming in. As you give out, there's more coming in. There's more coming in. That's the way we transform our region. As we are transformed, so too those around us become transformed. We love you, Jesus. Who here loves Jesus? Who is thankful? Who has hope that God's going to do more? Oh. Lord, we ask today that by your Spirit, you would continue to bring us back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Where it's all about you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be cleaned out, that the clutter would be cleaned out in such a way. Lord, that we would have our eyes fixed upon you. 
And we live for you together with our brothers and sisters to see your kingdom come and your will be done. God, we thank you for what you're doing right across our nation. There are pockets of people that are seeking your face and making themselves available. God, we want to be one of those people. We want to be that house that says, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your fresh anointing. It breaks the yoke. It's not us, but it's Christ in us with the hope of glory. We worship you.